What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week 10 of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. And in honor of week 10, I waited till exactly 10 a.m. to start recording the episode. That's my convenient excuse for the fact that I slept in. Ironically enough, with what happened with in a bunch of games in Week 9, I can best describe Week 9, certainly for our purposes, as a dogfight. We definitely went and we definitely had to grind out uh, an above 500 week or even just a 500 week in certain elements of the picks. And sometimes you just got to have weeks like that. Obviously, it's not going to be, you know, 10 and 3 every week. You got to have some of these weeks where it's not looking good and you got to grind out those picks. You got to worry about them right till the last snap in the last game. And that's kind of what week 9 was. Week 9, I wound up 7 and 6 straight up and that was only seven and six because we won the monday nighter with detroit so seven and six straight up leaves me 84 and 48 straight up on the season against the spread same deal we were five six and one going into the monday nighter it worked out with taking detroit uh what was it detroit minus two and a half in that game at green bay they win that game so we're six six and one against the spread in week nine that has a 68 up 59 down and now five pushes against the spread on the season and with the total didn't quite work out for us five seven and one on the over under but we were four seven and one going into that monday nighter so we swept the monday nighter which is always nice to do five seven and one over under has us 57 up 73 down and now two pushes over under on the season Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze from week nine was unfortunately a bit of a mixed bag. One, uh, just a shocking loss to me, and the other one, not so much considering what happened to Deshaun Watson, and that's where we're going to start. Yet another NFL superstar goes down to a season-ending injury, and it's the newest NFL superstar, Deshaun Watson, who goes down, and subsequently, Houston loses that game against Indianapolis, a game that should have been a cakewalk for them. Tom Savage in at quarterback, can't get the job done. Houston loses that game to Indy 20-14. to It was an against-the-spread loss because I told you to go Houston minus 13 because there's no question in my mind Deshaun Watson beats that team by probably at least 20 points. And it was an over-under loss. I told you to go over 49 points. That sure as hell wasn't happening with Tom Savage in there. They only get to 34. The silver pick, we brought it back a little bit. I told you to take Jacksonville to beat Cincinnati. They did so very comfortably, 23-7. to It was an against-the-spread win, as I told you to go Jacksonville, minus 4.5 points in that game. But it was an over-under loss. I thought they'd get over 39.5 points. They only get to 30. Then we get to the second baffling loss of the week. The Seattle Seahawks lose to Washington. That was such a tight game for basically the entire game. Seattle takes the lead late. They give up a late touchdown and Blair Walsh screws it up. And you know what? You can't pin 100% of the blame on Blair Walsh, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire. So Seattle loses that game 17-14 to against Washington against the spread it was going to be a loss anyway but it was definitely a loss told you to take Seattle minus seven and a half points and it was an over under loss because I told you to go over 45 points they only get to 31 in what turned out to be a defensive battle but where we brought it back we nailed the platinum pick and the platinum pick is on 
fire right now. Get on board while you can. The Platinum pick, we swept it yet again. It was a straight-up win. I told you to go with New Orleans over the Tampa Bay Bucks. That happens comfortably. Three-possession game, 30-10. to 10. It was an against-the-spread win, as I told you to go New Orleans, minus 7. They cover that. They beat them by 20. And it was an over-under win, as I told you to stay under 50 points, not knowing what the deal was with, obviously, Jameis Winston's shoulder. Now it looks like they've shut Jameis Winston down for a couple of weeks. Now Mike Evans, of course, with that stupid... Again, okay, let's just get this out of the way right now. Jameis Winston is an idiot. Mike Evans is a hothead and acted like an idiot. Uh, Lattimore, I think his name was, he's probably an idiot too. They're idiots all around. Mike Evans is now suspended for one game. Jameis Winston looks like he's shut down for a few weeks. This game, this week was a dumpster fire in terms of just idiots acting like idiots and getting themselves suspended or should have been suspended for it. Hello, AJ Green. So platinum, gold, silver, and bronze from week nine. We're only two and two straight up. We were two and two against the spread and only one and three on the over-under. Taking a peek at the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for season six of my show and year four of the Hatbox Pool. In my pool, the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I'm now in a tie for second place where before I was in second place all alone. Tied for second place out of 35 managers, 710 out of 1,040 possible confidence points. We passed the millennium mark in terms of uh, potential confidence points on the season. That's a clip of 68%. In week nine, I was only able to bring in 54 out of 91. That's a clip of 59%, which is really not that bad considering I only went seven and six. Shout out to our week nine winner, and clearly he got pissed off that I was talking shit about him last week. And uh, 69 King came back to reclaim his throne, as it were. 69 King wins week nine, goes nine and four straight up, 70 out of 91 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 77%. I do need to take a second and shout out Anthony Simone. Anthony Simone also had 70 out of 91 confidence points, but... They were eight and five straight up. In that situation, we use the better straight up record as the tiebreaker. So 69 King wins the week, but Anthony Simone had himself an excellent week as well. 69 King has now retaken the lead in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, 81 and 51 straight up. So actually three picks worse than I am at this point, but he's managed his confidence points better. 721 out of 1,040 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69%. Now also worth pointing out, the top six in this pool all have at least 700 confidence points, which means this is still very, very tight. So shout out to 69King for winning week nine and being, once again, the new overall leader. And shout out to Anthony Simone, who had the same number of confidence points as our weekly winner. In the hatbox pool, obviously, I stumbled a little bit where I was only 7-6. and six. I now sit all alone in 5th place out of 38 managers with my 84 correct straight-up picks. That's a clip of 64% on the 132 games that have been played so far. And in Week 9, obviously brought in 7 out of 13 games. That's a clip of 54%. Shout out to our Week 9 winners. Actually not. There were 6 teams that were tied for the Week 9 win 
with records of 9 and 4. So 9 out of the 13 games picked correctly. That is a clip of 69%. Good enough for those six teams to win the week. One of those six teams was Rel Eagles Fly, who remains the overall leader in the Hatbox Pool. 89 of 132 games picked correctly, which would mean a record of 89 and 43, I believe. That is a clip of 67%. It's right around where you want to be. So, shout out to 69King and the six teams who went 9 and 4 for winning the week 9 in the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pools. Shout out to 69King and Rel Eagles Fly for remaining and becoming, once again, the overall leaders in the pools. Let's take a quick peek into Fantasy Corner and see how my four fantasy football teams did in Week 9 action. Kind of came back down to earth after I think a couple of straight weeks of being undefeated. I only went 2-2 two and two this week and I really, one of the leagues, I was just, it came down to the Monday Nighter and I had three players in the Monday Nighter. I overcame like a 25-point deficit or something because I had, you know, two touchdowns from, uh, from uh, Jones for Detroit had a touchdown from Amir Abdullah, and if it wasn't for Amir Abdullah's fumbleitis, I would have won the week, but I lost points on the couple of fumbles that he had. I lost the matchup by 22 one-hundredths of a point. It was like 93.56 to 93.74 or, so, or 78 or something like that. It was so close. It was so close. They were right there. And if it wasn't for Amir Abdullah's fumble, I would have won that matchup. But I didn't. I only went 2-2. Two and two. In the Professionals Dynasty League, I had a win over Bobby Miller in Week 9. That moves my record to 6-3 and three in that league. Have a Week 10 matchup with Jamie Brunt, Jamie Brunt's team. And that is a projected loss for me. So I may very well take the L in that one. We're fighting for playoff position at this point. Looking forward to Week 10 in that league. In the Progs League, I had a loss against Half Moon's picks. That drops me to 7-2, and two, and I'm still among the league leaders in that league. I got a Week 10 matchup against Matt the NFL Fanatic Stat Pack. That's a projected win for me. So thank you, Bobby and Half Moon, for the matchups in Week 9. And Jimmy Brunt and Stat Pack coming for you in Week 10. And I'll take this opportunity, as always, to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video and the description of the audio file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you are going to find all of my straight up against the spread and over under results from week nine, all of my straight up over under and against the spread plays for week 10. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest as well as Hatbox Pick'em Pools for Season 6 of my show and Year 4 of Hatbox's Pool. It is never too late. Get yourself shouted out on an episode of this show if the picks are good enough. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. All your favorite progs are there. All the videos. We even have a Discord channel now. So if you're a gamer and you got yourself a Discord, you can join the Discord channel. Talk football with us in there as well. You're going to find the link to subscribe to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. I didn't do a week 9 video because scheduling did not permit it. My parlays were posted on the NFL YouTube Prognosticators page. And once again, they were all wrong. So hey, having fun. Going to keep going, I think. You're going to find information on nerdtease.ca. Use promo code BWFINEST to save yourself 15% on your tea order. Loose leaf matcha teas, tea wear, 
great Christmas presents for the tea drinker on your list. Maybe somebody that's hard to buy for. Nerd Teas just released a sampler pack where you get eight small samples of varying collections of teas. This is a great, great choice if you are struggling with what to buy someone for Christmas. It's awesome. It's less than 30 bucks because the pre-orders are out now and the promo code counts for it. So you're going to knock another 15% off as well. Free shipping on any order over $50 in Canada. For my American friends, obviously you're going to get the bounce with the conversion from the American dollar. And you're going to find information on my Movember campaign. Once again, raising money for Movember, putting money into research, treatment, and support for men with testicular cancer, prostate cancer, men's mental health, suicide prevention, Movember, it's an incredibly important thing. It's an incredibly important foundation that does great work. I'm so proud to fundraise for them every single year. I'm, I'm doing Mo updates on my Facebook page. So make sure you get on there and check those out. It's going to be greasy by the end of the month. But the important thing is raising money from Movember. Trying to raise $200 this year, which would best the total that I've had for the previous two years combined, which would be awesome. We're off to a great start. I need your help and I'm asking for it. Mobro.co slash Bridgewater's Finest. That link also in the description below. Now that the housekeeping's out of the way, I'm going to stand up and get my cup of tea. This will just go to show you how obsessed I am with nerd teas. I only have about enough left for one more cup of the chocolate cake, which is my favorite blend. And I'm not sure I'm emotionally prepared to be without it. So I'm delaying drinking that last cup of tea. So right now I'm having a nice warm cup of sweet cherry brew. Guys, I'm telling you, nerdteas.ca, it's fantastic. Anyways, here we go. No more delaying. Week 10, only 14 games on the schedule, so it's another short week. Week 10, let's get to it. Let's kick things off in Buffalo, where the Bills are going to play host to the New Orleans Saints, now very quickly becoming one of the most surprising teams in the NFL this year. Not so much for their offense, that's about what we expected, but certainly for the defense. If you would have started the season by saying, hey, the Saints are going to be the best statistical defense in the NFC South, I would have shaken my head and said, no way. But here we are, they're allowing less than 20 points a game, they're 6-2, and two. they're leading the division over the Panthers, and they have got a matchup this week against the Buffalo Bills, another surprising team, at 5-3, second place in the AFC East. Bills lost last week, meanwhile the Saints are one of the hottest teams in football, right up there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Saints on a 6-game winning streak after starting the season 0-2, who would have thought that? We've talked about it a little bit before, but the Saints are getting it done, especially on the offensive side, in a way that they really have never consistently done before, and that's with the run game. Mark Ingram having a much better season this season than in seasons past, and Alvin Kamara has been an absolute revelation for this team. He runs the ball, he catches the ball, he basically plays that Darren Sproles role, and he's been incredible at it so far this season, putting up another huge game last week. Yet another season here where the Bills are struggling to move the ball through the air. Only 187 yards per game of pass offense for the Buffalo Bills. And it has them as the number 27 total offense in football. Luckily, they are still able to run the ball, putting up about a buck 17 per game, which I believe has them just outside knocking on the door of the top 10 run offenses in the NFL. 
And Buffalo is certainly going to be able to run the ball in this football game. If New Orleans has the weakness on defense, it is definitely the run defense. They're kind of only, actually, they're about, they're a little bit lower than middle of the pack, actually, in terms of their total run defense. They're the number 19 run defense in football. But New Orleans secondary has really stepped up, only giving up 210 pass yards per game through the air, which is really not that bad considering this secondary has been notorious for being shreddable in past seasons. That's got New Orleans inside the top 12. They're only giving up 19 points per game, as I mentioned. Buffalo really going to struggle to put anything up through the air, but I think where the real difference in this game is going to be the secondary on the other side because the Buffalo Bills have been shredded through the air. They're the number 26 total pass defense in football right now giving up 250 yards per game and that is going to be bad against Drew Brees and a New Orleans team that is still a top five total pass offense and are certainly putting up their points so I think you got to go with the Saints in this one I'm going to go with New Orleans on the road in Buffalo to keep the win streak going and beat the Bills on the line the Bills are two and a half point dogs at home uh, New Orleans is 6-2 and two against the spread this season, so I feel pretty good about this low number here. They're favored by less than a field goal, so I think you definitely take this if you like New Orleans. I'm going to go with New Orleans minus 2.5 at Buffalo. Total in this game is 46 points, and there's something kind of interesting between these two teams that I just want to talk about for a second. The two teams are 8-8 eight and eight over under this season, which in and of itself, not all that unique. What is unique is, the last four times that these two teams have played a football game, they have done the exact opposite of each other. They've split their last four games. Just any opponent, anywhere, they've split them in terms of the over-under. And what I mean by that is, if New Orleans goes over, Buffalo goes under. If Buffalo goes over, New Orleans goes under, and vice versa. For that to have worked itself out for four straight games is really kind of interesting. Anyway, no real help there. Kind of lends itself to a little bit of unpredictability, which kind of makes me nervous that I'm taking the favorite in the matchup. I certainly are the road favorite. But no real help in terms of this number of 46. It's kind of a high-end middling number. I'm going to tell you to stay under on it. Like, look, Buffalo's been shredded through the air, but they're also giving up less than 20 points per game. New Orleans is scoring a lot, but it's against a good defense. Two good defenses take the under. We're going to go under 46 points in New Orleans-Buffalo. Let's go to Chicago now where the Bears are going to welcome in the suddenly lowly and only at 500 and at big risk of missing the playoffs, Green Bay Packers. Packers played last night on Monday Night Football. Offense did not look good aside from a couple of series in that game. They got a garbage time touchdown on a defensive pass interference call with no time left on the clock in the fourth quarter. Punched the ball in for a touchdown. The offense did not look good. And, I mean, this is what you're going to have these issues with Brett Hundley until he gets comfortable or until the Packers sign somebody. Um, but you're going to have these issues with, uh, you know, a two-start third-game quarterback. is now going to be a three-start four-game quarterback going in against a Chicago defense that's actually played fairly well this season. Packers, like I said, now 4-4. Four and four. They've lost three straight games. All of a sudden, they're now tied for second in that division. And the chances of making the playoffs, as was reported last night on Monday Night Football, have dropped to about, what was it, 15%, 12%, something crazy like that. So very, very low odds for the Packers right now 
to make the postseason. Looks like their streak is going to be snapped. Bears lost the last time out, but they won the game before that. They're 3-5. and five. The defense has played better than Green Bay, statistically at the very least. The offense has definitely struggled. They've only put up 16 touchdowns. Two of their three wins have come at home. Worth noting, though, the Bears have not beaten any team in this division yet this season, and they've only won one game against an NFC opponent. Bears, as I mentioned, though, kind of quietly, but still doing it, a top 10 total defense, only giving up 207 yards per game through the air. They're still giving up over 100 yards per game on the ground, but uh, what happened to Aaron Jones? Like, where was Aaron Jones in the second half of that football game last night? I realized that the Packers were trailing, but it was still only a two-possession game at the start of the third quarter, so where was Aaron Jones? It's interesting to see. They put Ty Montgomery out there. He had some gains. He didn't look bad. Caught some passes. You got to wonder if this is now trending back towards a running back by committee for the Green Bay Packers. And if that's necessarily a good thing, could be with a young quarterback, but still a question mark for sure. I don't imagine Hundley's going to get too much through the air, but Chicago definitely going to get their gains on the ground. 130 yards per game on the ground for the Bears offense that has them as the number six run offense and comfortably number six in football, knocking on the door of the Rams at number five. As much as my newfound Packer fandom says that they are going to go into Soldier Field and win this football game, they're not. Uh, Green Bay is going to lose this football game. I like the Bears at home. We're going to take Chicago to beat Green Bay in Chicago. On the line, Bears are favored by three points. I actually full well expect this line to grow a little bit. Would not be surprised at all if it was minus four by the snap of the ball on Sunday. I'm going to tell you to take Chicago minus three and take it now before the line grows. And here's why. Chicago, despite the fact that they're only what? What was the record? What did we say the record was? Three and five? The Bears are unbeaten against the spread at home. They are four and oh against the spread at home. It's only a field goal. Take Chicago minus three. Total in this game is only 41 points, but the two teams are 7-9 and nine combined over under this season. They split last week. One went over, one went under. The only reason that Green Bay went over is because of that garbage time touchdown. Take the under in this game. I think Chicago's defense steps up, comes to play. Low scoring game, under 41 points in Green Bay, Chicago. Let's go to Tennessee now where the Titans find themselves tied for the AFC South lead with Jacksonville riding a three-game win streak and welcoming in the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals lost last week. AJ Green pulling again some just ridiculously stupid garbage just before halftime. Like just, just, just fall on that grenade, take it into the half, calm down, come back out on the field and win the football game. And instead... A.J. Green gets himself ejected, and Cincinnati loses the game. I don't know that they necessarily would have won if he was in there, but still, they lost the game, and he was not on the field to try to make a difference, and that, in professional football, to me, is inexcusable. In a division with the Cleveland Browns, it should not be debatable which team has the worst offense in the division, but right now, it's pretty darn close, as the Browns have only scored 10 fewer points and one fewer touchdown than have the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Right now, the Bengals are the worst run offense in football. They are among the worst pass offenses in football and among the worst total offenses in football. They've only scored about 16 points per game, and that is not going to be good enough against this Tennessee defense. Look, Tennessee, they're not lighting the world on fire. They're kind of middle of the pack in terms of what they're allowing for yardage, probably giving up a few too many points for the yardage that they're giving up. But this is going to be a an incredibly handleable, if I can coin a phrase, handleable situation for them at home playing a Bengals team that's not putting up a lot of points. AJ Green's not going to be suspended for what he did, so he's still going to be out there. But even though he's out there, he's not getting the targets. They're not feeding AJ Green the ball in the same way as say the Steelers feed Antonio Brown or even Atlanta feeds Julio Jones and that even that's not enough, but it's more than Cincinnati is feeding AJ Green. I realize that A.J. Green gets all the coverage out there. I get that. He's the big playmaker. He's the guy that they're watching. A.J. Green is a superstar in this league. You need to get him the ball. Target him 10, 11, 12 times a game. That needs to happen because he's going to catch seven or eight of those rather than only catching, you know, two or three or four. That's not going to be good enough for the Cincinnati Bengals to win on your average week because not only is that happening, but the defense is not playing well enough to justify how badly the offense is playing. And Cincinnati's defense has been playing fine. They've been playing really good, certainly in the secondary. It's hard to pass on them. Not all that difficult to run, but it's hard to pass on them. They're giving up less than 20 points a game. Cincinnati should be above 500 right now, but they're not because Andy Dalton and the offense is just, they're just not, they're just not getting it done. They're not getting it done. They're not getting it to their superstar player. I don't think that changes this week. Let's stick with the Titans here in a good situation at home. I like Tennessee at home to beat Cincinnati. On the line, Tennessee favored by five points at home, so it's more than a field goal, less than a touchdown. Everybody, I think, sort of expects this to be a relatively low-scoring game, but I'm still going to tell you to go Tennessee minus five. Here's an interesting stat for you. As underdogs of a touchdown or less... The Cincinnati Bengals are 0-2 against the spread so far this season. That's what they are in this game. And both of those losses have come on the road. This is the exact same situation. I think that number goes to 0-3. I like Tennessee, minus 5. Total in this game, only 40.5 points. The two teams are 8-8 over-under this season. And they've split their last two over-under. I'm going to tell you to go over on it, though. It's such a low number. I do think Cincinnati gets something... Even if they only get, you know, their 15 or 16 points, there's a chance that Tennessee can uh, can score enough to just send this over. Maybe a garbage time touchdown puts it over. But maybe against my better judgment, I'm going to tell you to go over 40 and a half points in Tennessee, Cincinnati. Let's go to Tampa Bay now where the Bucks, at the very least get to go home, but will be without Jameis Winston and without Mike Evans, the, their, basically their battery, the battery of their offense as they welcome the New York Jets into town. I shouldn't say battery of their offense. Doug Martin's actually been fairly good on the ground so far this season, but if you think of the Tampa Bay Bucks, you think of Mike Evans and you think of Jameis Winston. Jets were able to snap the three-game losing streak last time out. They are now 4-5, and five, still sit in the basement of the AFC East, but at the very least have a better offense than Miami. 
The Bucks, as I mentioned, absolutely tumbling. Five-game losing streak now without the starting quarterback, who of course has his throwing shoulder injured anyway, and at least now he's got a couple of weeks that he can work on his pregame pump-up speeches, because good lord, the hell was that? Eating the crab legs or eating the W? Who knows? Tampa's lost five straight games. They're also going to be without Mike Evans. On offense, which is the key to this Tampa Bay team, because the defense is the worst in that division and can't stop anybody right now. On offense, they're going to be missing probably their two best players. Honestly, I think the only way the Bucks are competitive in this game is if they get a pair of touchdowns from Cameron Brait, probably another one from O.J. Howard. I think that's the only way that, that Tampa Bay has any shot in this game at all. Jets don't exactly have a great run defense, number 24 run defense in football, so I think the run game can certainly get something established. I just don't like this situation for Tampa Bay at all. Missing too many players, too much talent, not going to be on the football field. I actually like the Jets here in what was originally an upset, but now apparently is not. I like the Jets on the road to go into Tampa and beat the Bucks. On the line, the Bucks are a one-point dog at home after this line, I believe, opened at either Tampa Bay minus one or minus a point and a half or something like that. Anyway, Jets now the favorites. I'm obviously going to go Jets minus one because I like them to win the game. Interesting to look at, too. The Jets are actually 6-2 and two against the spread this season. Tampa Bay is only 1-6, and six, and that's, uh, that's pretty rough. But we're certainly going to play the numbers here and take the Jets minus 1. Total in this game is 42 points. Two teams are 9-8 and eight over under combined this season. They split their last time out. I'm going to tell you to go over on it, even though, you know, Jets offense... Certainly not the best thing since sliced bread. Tampa Bay's offense, not probably not going to be good without Winston and Evans. But I'll still tell you to go over 42 because, man, Tampa Bay's defense is capital B bad. So we're going to go over 42 points in the Jets and the Bucks. Let's go to Washington now where the Redskins, like I mentioned, closer to the top of the show, came up with a very surprising win to me anyways by beating Seattle late in that game. Now they get to go home and play host to the Minnesota Vikings. Redskins evening their record back to 500 at 4-4 four and four with that win over Seattle last week. Vikings just keep on rolling, man. Four straight wins, now head and shoulders in the lead of the NFC North at 6-2. and two. Worth pointing out that the Vikings have won four of their five games against NFC opponents. The Redskins are only 500 in the NFC at 3-3. Three and three. At the risk of being dubbed a hater, I still sit here and I don't understand why people are overly high on the Washington Redskins. They're just... They're just middle of the pack. They're an average football team. They're an average football team on offense. They're an average football team on defense. They're giving up more points than they're scoring. So I'm not 100% sure why people are so high on the Redskins. Sure, they've scored 20 touchdowns, but that's third place in this division. Granted, that's with the Eagles and the Cowboys, which are both very good offenses. So I understand that. I don't know. I guess I'll have to take the hater label or whatever. I just, I don't see it with the Redskins. I do see it with Minnesota and it keeps surprising me because they don't have their starting quarterback or their starting running back. Minnesota, nothing to sneeze at on the offensive side. They're a top 12 total offense right now in football, but it's on the defensive side where the Redskins are 
where the Vikings are really excelling. The number three total defense in football right now, giving up less than 17 points per game. One of the top run defenses in football. Going to be very hard for Rob Kelly to find much room against the Vikings. Chris Thompson could have a decent day catch in the football, but I really like Minnesota here, even though the game is on the road and the Vikings, you know, they're only two and one on the road this season, but the Redskins are only two and two at home. So let's go Minnesota here to keep it rolling. I like the Vikings on the road in Washington to beat the Redskins. On the line, Washington is a point and a half dog at home. Minnesota has not won a game against the spread on the road this season, but I think that changes this week. They're only favored by a point and a half. I like them to win the game. Vikings get their first road against the spread win on the season. Minnesota minus a point and a half at Washington. Total in this game is 42.5 points. The two teams are 9-7 and seven combined over under this season. They split last time out. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. It's a low number. Washington's going to score their points probably through the air. Minnesota's going to keep scoring their points despite not having their best players available to them. But I'm going to go over here. Over 42.5 points in Minnesota-Washington. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags are going to play host to the Chargers, JAC versus LAC. 5-3 and three from the AFC South versus 3-5 and five from the AFC West. Jags have the edge on offense. Jags have the edge on defense. Jags are at home. Jags win the football game. I just want to touch on this Leonard Fournette thing for a second because there were a lot of people that were really surprised that he didn't play on Sunday. Me among them, I had to quick get him out of one of my fantasy lineups. Uh, Fournette apparently missed the team picture. So he was punished internally by the team. That's why he sat. And as we saw in that football game, the combination of Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon is certainly nowhere near as good as Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory. So since Leonard Fournette is going to play and the coach kind of confirmed, like, I'm not worried about his discipline. He's going to play next week. He just screwed up this one time. We punished him for it. We're moving on. So he's going to be in this week against the Chargers, and that is going to spell very bad news for a Chargers run defense that is, oh, I don't know, second worst in the league. Let's go Jacksonville here all day. I like the Jags at home to beat the Chargers. On the line, Jags are only favored by four points at home. You definitely take that. Jacksonville minus four. Jacksonville's five and three against the spread this season. I'm going to tell you to go with that. It's less than a touchdown. Jags minus four. Total in this game is 41 points. The two teams are a combined seven and nine over under this season, and both have gone under in their last two games. So I definitely think this is a low scoring game. Let's go under 41 points in Jacksonville, LA. That's of course, assuming Jacksonville doesn't get yet another defensive touchdown. From a Los Angeles road game, we go to a Los Angeles home game. Let's go to Los Angeles where the Rams are going to welcome in the Houston Texans. And I said this on Twitter when it happened, when the Deshaun Watson injury came out. Deshaun Watson getting hurt and missing the rest of the season is as bad for the game of football as Aaron Rodgers' injury is. Because Deshaun Watson is the newest superstar quarterback in this league. He and Carson Wentz. You still got Carson Wentz. Somebody just grab Carson Carson Wentz and wrap him in bubble wrap. Because if we lose Carson Wentz, nobody's going to be watching these football games at all. He is like the one true like new breed superstar at the quarterback position that's still there. All I'm saying is 
We need Carson Wentz. Anyways, that's 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 beyond the point. The Deshaun Watson injury, it it, it does it hurts it hurts. It's bad for the game of football. It sucks that he got hurt. Uh, and he's going to come back next season, and I think next season he's going to be incredible. He may be worth drafting first overall in fantasy, if you're, especially if you're in a QB-heavy league. Grab yourself some Deshaun Watson. I keep talking about Deshaun Watson because the Rams are going to win this game, and probably pretty damn dominantly. So we're going to take the Rams at home to beat Houston because with Tom Savage at quarterback, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that thing where you, you stretch out the collar to try to cool yourself off. Tom Savage, goddamn. The difference in drop-off from Deshaun Watson to Tom Savage is about the same difference in drop-off as you had from Aaron Rodgers to Brett Hundley, if we're being perfectly honest. So Rams all day, LA wins the game. On the line, the Rams are favored by 12 points at home. Like, good lord, 12 points. It's worth pointing out, and I know a lot of this is probably due to Deshaun Watson, but it's worth pointing out the Texans are 3-0 against the spread on the road. And again, a lot of that's probably Deshaun Watson, but I mean, man, 12 points, like 12, 12, really? It's pretty easy to run on the Rams defense, so I think Lamar Miller is going to be able to have a pretty good game. I think 12 points here is just too many, but it's it's weird because the Rams could blow them out by 35. Houston plus 12. Total in this game is 46 and a half points. Uh, I don't even have to tell you the numbers. Go over on it because I, the Rams are going to score a lot of points in this football game, I think. Uh, two teams are combined 11 and 5. A lot of that has to do with uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously. They split their games last time out. One went over, one went under. I'm going to tell you to go over on it It's because it's not a number in the 50s. So you got to assume that the Rams are going to score plenty of points. And if Houston can score something... And keep the game close enough that my against the spread pick works out. Um, we'll go over 46.5 points in Houston, LA. Let's go to Atlanta now. We're one of the most frustrating teams in football. I don't know how Chris Carter, the hatbox kid, has any hair left whatsoever. The Atlanta Falcons are going to play host to the Dallas Cowboys. And once again, we're on Zeke Watch. I don't even know. I don't know. They let him play last week. Exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. They let Zeke play. Not that Zeke was necessarily the thing that made this happen, but Zeke played, Cowboys won. Zeke might not play, or Zeke might be able to play the rest of the season. We have no goddamn clue. But I'm going to take Dallas in this game because I can't trust the Falcons. How in the world? The, trusting the Falcons would be like being a worm and trusting the fishermen. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I I don't get how, even though they're at home, I don't get how you can trust them in this context against a very good football team in Dallas. If this was against a bad team, then great. I mean, Atlanta all day long based on the fact that they're at home. But Atlanta's under 500 at home right now. They're one, they're one and two. So I, you, you can't trust them and you can't trust the defense and you can't trust the offense. So what's so I mean what what gives? What gives here? Like when is it when is it finally going to break out? I think Matt Ryan's going to have a good game against this Dallas secondary. I just don't trust Atlanta to win the football game outright. So we're going to go with Dallas on the road in Atlanta to beat the Falcons. 
on the line, Atlanta are three-point favorites at home. Obviously, I like Dallas, so we're going to go Dallas plus three. Even if you don't like Dallas in this game, the Cowboys are three and one against the spread on the road. It's worth taking that Dallas plus three and hedging your bets. Total in this game is 50 and a half points. The two teams are eight and eight over under, and they both went under in their last game. I'm going to tell you to stay under on it as well. Under 50 and a half points. You don't know what you're going to get from the Falcons. If Zeke doesn't play, the Cowboys are an entirely different offensive team. So this is going to be a really interesting and unpredictable game, but we're going to go under 50 and a half points in Atlanta, Dallas. Let's go to San Francisco now where I'm going to spend exactly probably about one minute talking about this game. The 49ers are going to play host to the New York Giants, two of the worst statistical teams in football. I personally tend to agree with the opinion that Eli Manning has basically just given up on this team at this point. And, uh, but I still like the Giants to win the football game because I think top to bottom, they're the better team. So we're going to take the Giants on the road to beat the Niners in the Who Cares Bowl. Uh, the Niners are a one-point dog at home. It's only one point. The Giants are actually 3-1 and one against the spread on the road. So that kind of plays into why I'm taking the Giants in this game. I think they get the win. I'm going to take the Giants minus one at San Francisco. Total in this game is 42.5 points. The two teams are 8-9 and nine total over under this season. They split last week, so no help there. Even though it's a low number, I'm going to tell you to go under on it because who the hell knows what we're going to get from either one of these offenses on any given day. So we're going to go under 42.5 points in the Giants-San Francisco. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for Week 10 is the Carolina Panthers playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Panthers have now won back-to-back games. They are right in contention there for the NFC South title, right there in the wild card conversation. In fact, I believe they hold the wild card one position right now in the NFC. Miami, after looking like maybe they had things figured out a little bit, they've lost back-to-back games. They traded Jay Ajayi. Jay Cutler is still Jay Cutler. The run game, you gotta be concerned about it now. Although they've got, you know, they've got Kenyon Drake and they've got some players back there that I think are going to be able to do something. They're actually pretty popular fantasy waiver wire ads this week, apparently, according to, I can't remember if it was Michael Fabiano or somebody else. Anyways, it's interesting to me that a team that scored 13 touchdowns in eight games could have anybody be a popular fantasy football ad, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The Dolphins can get things done here on defense, and the Panthers are certainly not a blow teams away offense they've only scored 168 points in nine games so it's not like they're this huge great offense but I think Carolina top to bottom is good enough to win this football game so we're going to take the Panthers at home to beat the Dolphins I just don't see anything special in the Dolphins game that would lead me to believe that they're going to beat the Panthers the Panthers are a better offense Panthers are a better defense Panthers are at home take the Panthers However, don't take the Panthers on the line. Right now, Carolina is favored by nine points at home. Would it interest you to know that despite the fact that the Panthers are, what did I say, six and three, against the spread as a favorite of anything, so either minus half a point to minus 20 or above, against the spread, the Panthers are only one and four as a favorite. Doesn't mean they're not going to win the game. I think they're going to win the game. But I think it's going to be a one possession game. It's going to be low scoring, one possession game. So take Miami plus nine in this game because who knows, the Dolphins could pull, you know, what would be a pretty big upset. But I mean, it's, it's possible, it's conceivable that the Dolphins could pull an upset in this game. So definitely take Miami plus nine. 
Total in this game is only 39.5 points. The two teams are 7 and 10 combined over under. They split last week. Stay under on it because who knows what's going to happen. Carolina has this way about playing down to their competition. So low scoring game under 39.5 points in Miami, Carolina. All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 10 in the NFL. Here they come. We'll start at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick, where I am 7-2 and two straight up, 4-5 and five against the spread, and only 1-7-1 and one on the over-under. My bronze pick sees the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals in an NFC West matchup. Hey, Drew Stanton scored a touchdown in Arizona 1 last week. That's pretty neat. Seattle, meanwhile, again, losing that game against Washington last week. They're 5-3. and three. They're behind the Rams in the division, but they're still, obviously, definitely very in it. And if the Rams happen to stumble, Rams definitely have a more difficult schedule down the stretch than do the Seahawks. So even though they're a game back, this division still wide open between those two teams. I would say three teams because Arizona is at 500, but let's be perfectly honest. With Drew Stanton, at quarterback, you're going to get way more games of two or three interceptions than you're going to get of two or three touchdowns. Drew Stanton, to me, not an NFL quarterback, and Arizona's playmakers that they have on the offensive side, I mean, well, two of their best three offensive playmakers are on IR, and it looks like David Johnson now is trending towards not returning this season. So, you know, they're on IR, but the best playmakers that they have in the passing game, Larry Fitzgerald and others, take a serious downgrade with the guy that's throwing them the football. Same deal in Green Bay. You got Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Those guys all take downgrades based on the fact that it's Brett Hundley back there and not Aaron Rodgers. You know how earlier I said that, you know, a division that's got the Cleveland Browns in it should not be competitive as to which is the worst offense in that division? Same deal here with the NFC West, a division that's got the 49ers in it. There should be no competition about who has the worst offense. You know who's got the worst offense in that division? The Arizona Cardinals. Sure, they've scored 15 touchdowns while the Niners have only scored 13, but the Niners have scored four more points. I know they've had one extra game, but shh. Don't let logic get in the way of my argument. As far as I'm concerned, Adrian Peterson is not going to be the savior of this franchise this season. Seattle has improved their run defense over the last couple of weeks. They're right now kind of around middle of the pack in terms of the run defense. The pass defense is still stellar. They're one of the best defenses in football, even though they're going to be on the road. Seattle is the only team in this division that has not yet lost to a division opponent, and I don't think that changes this week. Let's go with Seattle on the road in Arizona to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Arizona are five and a half point dogs at home, and typically that would be very tasty for me to take. But look, the cards are only two and six against the spread so far this season. I like Seattle in this game. I think Seattle wins it fairly comfortably. So let's take Seattle minus five and a half points at Arizona. Total in this game is 41 points. The two teams are, sorry, 41 and a half points. Two teams are a combined 5 and 11 over under, and they split last week. But I'm going to tell you to go over on it. I don't think Arizona's defense comes up with a huge game and stops Seattle. Seattle's offense, there's really nothing wrong with it. Like, they, they did keep going last week. I would have expected them to score more than 14 points against Washington, but I don't see them putting up back-to-back lame ducks in back-to-back weeks. So, let's go over 41.5 points. So... Seattle straight up in Arizona to beat the Cardinals. Seattle minus five and a half points on the line over 41 and a half points. That is your bronze pick. 
My silver pick where I am six and three, both straight up and against the spread, but only three and six on the over under sees the Denver Broncos playing host to the New England Patriots. And holy crap, how many teams in football can we talk about having quarterback issues before? And you know what? I'm just, I'm not even going to say it. Broncos looking completely discombobulated on the offensive side of the ball. They've only scored 150 points in eight games. That's less than 20 points a game. They're on a four-game losing streak, and they have to play the New England Patriots, who are on a four-game winning streak. Broncos are under 500 against AFC opponents. All three of their wins so far this season have come in their own building, which is certainly a nice sign. But you got the Patriots, who are also unbeaten on the road this season. I don't think I have to say too much more here. You know exactly where I'm going with this. I like the Patriots in Denver. Not exactly the most hospitable place to play, but the team that's on the field in front of them, I don't think is going to be able to stop them. So I like the Patriots on the road in Denver to beat the Broncos. On the line, Patriots are favored by seven and a half points at uh, on the road, I was about to say at home, favored by seven and a half points on the road, Denver seven and a half point dogs at home. Kind of the same deal here as with Arizona. I was really tempted to take this, this plus seven and a half because of how good the Broncos defense can be. They haven't exactly shown it in the last couple of weeks, but they can certainly be great. But it's worth pointing out Denver against the spread as an underdog of seven points or more are 0-2 against the spread this season. So they've lost both of those games where they're an underdog of more than a touchdown, just like they are in this game. And I believe, actually, uh, no, I think both of them were on the road. But I was going to say both of them were at home. Da-da! But, you know, they're still they're still 0-2 as an underdog of a touchdown or more. So we're going to go New England, minus 7.5 points here. I think the Patriots cover that spread. Total in this game is 46 points. The two teams are 9-7 and seven over under this season. They've split the last two, so the last two games for each team has been split over and under. I think with the potency of that Patriots offense, I think you got to go over on it. So we're going to go over the 46 points, a higher end of a middling number, but still at the end of the day, a middling number. So Patriots on the road in Denver beat the Broncos. I like New England minus seven and a half on the line. I like over 46 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm six and three straight up and over under, but only four and five against the spread, sees the Indianapolis Colts playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steel City, baby, three game win streak. They have pulled two games away at least in the AFC North, certainly are in the driver's seat of that division. Colts, big ups to them. They won that game last week against a Houston Texans team that was completely just out of sorts because of the Deshaun Watson injury. They still only scored 20 points and they're still the worst offense in that division. They're a worse offense than Pittsburgh. They're a much worse defense than Pittsburgh. And I think it's on the defensive side of the ball where this game is going to be decided. The Steelers are an incredible, incredible defensive unit. They were a top 10 run defense. They've since slipped down to 14. You can run the ball on them. You absolutely can. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, I'm not 100% sure that you can as you're only putting up 98.7 yards per game on the ground. But you can certainly give it a shot. So they're definitely going to try, but there's going to be almost no room in the Steelers secondary for the Colts to try to move the ball through the air. And if you can't move the ball through the air, it's very 
difficult to win in this league. I think Pittsburgh's defense is the difference. Let's take the Steelers, my third straight road winner in these picks. Let's take the Steelers on the road in Indy to beat the Colts. Because, I mean, come on, the Colts aren't going to win two games in a row. On the line here, though, the Steelers are favored by 10 points on the road. I'm going to tell you to go Indy plus 10. I don't think this is a crazy big blowout. I think this is a relatively low-scoring game. A lot of running on Pittsburgh's side. I think they get out to a big lead early. And I think they lean on Le'Veon Bell and other running backs down the depth chart because they don't need to run up the score against the Colts. And it's worth pointing out, the Colts are 3-1 and one against the spread at home. And look, they're double-digit underdogs. I'm going to take that at home. So Indy, plus 10 at home against Pittsburgh. Total in this game is 44.5 points. The two teams are 7-10 and 10 on the over-under this season. They both went under last time out. Take under 44.5 points. There's no reason for Pittsburgh to blow them out in this one. I think Indy keeps it close enough that plus 10 works out. So, there you go. Pittsburgh, on the road, beats Indianapolis in Indianapolis. But I like Indy plus 10 and under 44.5 points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick where I am 7-2 straight up, but only 4-5 and five against the spread and over-under, sees the Detroit Lions, who won last night on Monday Night Football in Lambeau Field, getting a bit of a monkey, a metaphorical monkey, off their back by beating Green Bay in Green Bay for just the second time in the last 26 times they've tried, and I think Stafford's first time doing it. Detroit gets to go home now to play the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to take my fourth straight road. No, I'm not. Detroit. Detroit's going to win the game. Actually, I think Detroit's going to clobber them. I think their offense looked pretty good last night against a better Green Bay defense than they're going to face in the Browns. So I think Detroit cakewalk at home. They walk away with this thing. Just walk off, grand slam, moonshot, whatever bad cliches you want to throw in from other sports. Hat trick. I don't think that works. Anyways, Detroit wins this football game. I like the Lions in a walk at home to beat the Browns. On the line, the Lions are favored by nine and a half points at home. But honestly, I mean, you have to take that. Cleveland, aside from being winless, are also winless against the spread on the road. So having to go into Detroit, it's less than 10 points, so it's less than double digits. I think you definitely take Detroit minus 9.5. And, and I think you take this line now, because I'm pretty sure this line's going to get bigger. So Detroit, minus 9.5. Total in this game is 41 points. The two teams are 8-8 eight and eight, uh, over under. I was about to say against the spread. Over under on the season. They actually both went over last week, so it's a low number. I'm going to tell you to go over. Detroit could clear this number on their own. Go over 41 points. So, Detroit beats Cleveland straight up in Detroit. I like Detroit to cover the 9.5 point spread favorites at home. And I like over 41 points. That is your platinum pick. All right, folks, those are your week 10 picks straight up against the spread and over under. It's time, as always, for the comment of the week from the week nine video. And for the comment of the week, we're going to go right back to the well. We're going to go back to a guy that I've mentioned multiple times, I believe, this season. Just hit us with another great comment here, so we're going to get him again. It's Half Moon's Picks, Stephen Coleman, who, of course, as I mentioned again, I took the loss to this week in the Progs League, so I guess the least I can do to pay up any uh, implied or whatever bet by the fact that I lost the game, I might as well give him the comment of the week as well, just to rub salt in the wound. So, Half Moon's Picks, his comment from the Week 9 video. Green Bay built that team around Rodgers, 
Without it, they are dysfunctional. Don't know that I necessarily agree that they're dysfunctional, but they're certainly nowhere near the same team on offense that they are with Aaron Rodgers, which I guess goes without saying. They pretty much have to rewrite the playbook to try to match a new quarterback skill set. Absolutely. And the way that I thought that they would do it is not the way that they did it last night. And so it certainly did not work out that way. First time I've ever seen Detroit favored in Green Bay. It's a pretty sight to see, though. Well, I imagine for Lions fans, like Mr. Half Moon's pick, Stephen Coleman, that was a pretty sight to see. I felt pretty good about my Detroit pick, and it turns out because of the garbage time touchdown, I actually swept that pick straight up against the spread and over-under. So I definitely liked the pick as well. But Stephen, I liked your comment even more. Yours was the comment of the week from the Week 9 video. All right, folks, that is going to do it for week 10, the week 10 video, the week 10 episode. It is now going to be in the books. We're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks. So we are now in the Canadian Football League playoffs. It's very important. And remember, I had to go at least three and one last week in the week 20 CFL picks. I had to go at least three and one in order to have a shot at finishing the season above 500. There are only five football games left in the CFL this year. Two conference semis, two conference finals, and the Grey Cup in Ottawa. So, I had to go 3-1 and one at least. I went 3-1 and one last week, so I've still got a shot. 3-1 and one in week 20 has me 18-22 and 22 straight up. What that means is I have to run the table in the playoffs. That's what I'm facing. That's what I understand. And in a way, that's kind of the way it should be. So here are your CFL Conference Semi-Final picks. We have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming into Ottawa to play the Red Blacks in the East Semi-Final. Saskatchewan gets that on the crossover because the West is just so much better, so much more talented than the East is right now. This is a week 15 rematch. Saskatchewan won that game 18 to 17, so only by a single point in Ottawa. Ottawa was only 3-5 and 1 at home this season, while Saskatchewan was 6 and 2 against teams from the East. You got to like Saskatchewan here. I like Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders, to go into Ottawa, beat the Red Blacks in Ottawa to go to the East final to play Toronto. Now we've got the West semifinal. We've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at home playing host to the Edmonton Eskimos. Winnipeg won both of the head-to-head matchups this season against Edmonton, one in Winnipeg, one in Edmonton, and they outscored the Eskimos 61-45 to in those games. So that's an average of what, like 31-23? to Pretty comfortable. Edmonton, it's worth pointing out, has won three straight road games to finish the season. That's a great way to finish your road season. But now you got to go in and play a team that's beaten you twice. And that's all the motivation that you should need. But I think it's going to be three for three for the Blue Bombers. I'm going to take Winnipeg at home to beat the Eskimos to go on to the West Final to play Calgary. Okay, folks, those are your CFL conference semifinal picks. That is your week 10 video, and that's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, week 10 now in the books. I hope you enjoy it. I don't work on Sunday, so I get to watch pretty well the whole friggin' week of football, and I'm so excited for that. I hope you're excited for the games too. Enjoy the 14 games, and we'll see you again for week 11.
Thank you.